Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and twice weekly readings and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. What about, I, I loved what you were just saying about the fact that like, you know, uh, someone pulled you aside and asked, how do you do all the things that you're doing in your life? You know, the music, the podcast, the spiritual coaching, all of it, um, all at once. And and your your response to him was great. And I think that's something we could kind of unpack here. So what did you what did you say to that guy uh, when he came with all those sort of questions and stuff? Well, you know, I, I talked about doing it in small chunks, just just, you know, just doing it. And I think the big key for me is, is letting go of the judgment of what I'm doing, because I, I can be overly critical. I mean, I've, I've been doing, you know, this is kind of, we haven't really put this out on the podcast, but I've been, I've been writing my own readings and I get up every morning and write my own readings. I don't edit them. I don't go back and correct them. I don't check them. I just bam, 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 done. And I print it out. I put it in my binder and I put it, the sheet protector in it. And essentially I view it as done. I love um, that. It, and because next, and then I just go next. Mm. And, and at some point when I have a few minutes, I'll pick up one and I'll read it to myself and see how, which I just did before we were on the podcast. And I made a few um, editing things. I just crossed out a few things and put a little word. And when I have time, I'll go back and I'll add in the edits that I have. But uh, it, it really is about me letting things lay, you know, letting things yeah. be there. Yeah. Letting letting it be a little bit imperfect. I, you know, I wrote a new song this week, and I have no idea what it's about. I, you know, I just I just kind of put words and that sounded good together, and there was some basic ideas of what was in my heart at the moment, and I just put it out, you know. And then mm -hmm. I'll go back and look at it a little bit later, and I'll pick up my guitar and play along with it, and I, I will refine it over a period of time. But I I don't I don't sit for hours on end and and do that. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, it never, it never has worked for me because what happens for me is I always think that there's something else I need to be doing. And, mm. and um, I just find, I don't think I ever spend more than an hour doing anything. And that's like pushing it because I don't that's... really even ever spend an hour. A lot of times I'll spend 30 minutes and get a reading out and I'll just kind of push it out and just let it be there and let it be completely imperfect. I love that. Well, the the imperfection part is the best part about that because that that's what kills all creativity. I I know a a guy who is like a best selling author and stuff, and his one main piece of writing advice to me was like only write until you know what comes next, <laughs> and then when you know what comes next, step away from the computer, the typewriter, the pet notepad, whatever it is, and go. Okay, I'm done for the day because I know what's next. But then that gives you time to kind of like think through it, and you're not sitting there editing 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 which we can just get in such a rut about trying gets, to make it perfect before it's yeah. even good <laughs> you know? and and then it, and then it winds up feeling like 
over too overly controlled. Exactly. It doesn't feel like it's I to me, I think it's important that, that some of that stuff feel fairly spontaneous, like it's exactly. not overly criticized or, you know, marked out or all the words aren't perfect. And I, it just, to me, I think it just needs to flow. It mm. really is about what comes from the heart. And I think if you're sitting there doing the editing over and over again, I think it, it kind of diminishes that, that, that depth that comes from it, really accessing something totally. from. Within. And it, and it really diminishes the joy and the play out of it, which is part of what we do when we come to these things, part of the, the, sort of self-soothing <laughs> all of that is the joy that we get out of these things and when yeah. we sit down trying to make something perfect there's no joy in that we rob ourselves of like the play like i love I, I was thinking about this the other day like baseball is a perfect example of like i don't i'm not really into sports i don't play sports <laughs> but i was thinking about it in all different sports right if you were going to come and play like as an athlete your goal is to do that to the best of your ability and some would say perfectly right like like Perfect might be the goal. You're shooting for that, everything. Mm. Baseball is super interesting to me because the errors are actually built in. So that means that when we throw a ball rather than a strike, that counts for something and it moves the game forward. If there's a foul ball, <laughs> that still moves the game forward. So everything, saying, everything, everything means something. Be, exactly. Everything means something. The game is played how like it, it's because everything means something that it actually works and it's enjoyable. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's such a beautiful thing to take with us into life. Like sometimes these errors and these little mistakes and these little smudges in our writing or in our life those are the things that bring us like sheer joy and they make the thing worthwhile and we don't and know it, that until we go through it like you do slap it in the binder and let it sit there for a couple of days right yeah, I, basically <laughs> yeah. i just look at it as being done just because i, I wrote it you know, I kind of have an idea of how long it's supposed to be. And it feels like, oh, it feels like that was a good place to end or whatever. And I think, well, you know, what a great metaphor for recovery, because mm -hmm. I think we can bring the same, that same, same quality of imperfection into our recovery. The only thing we need to do perfectly is not pick up a drink or a drug, you know, and totally, totally. everything, I mean, people, I, it, it drives me crazy when I, you know, you see people go, oh, I'm, my, I'm not doing my recovery, recovery perfectly. Like what? You haven't picked up a drink or a drug, have you? Mm -hmm. Isn't that mm -hmm. what you're here for? This is not about doing anything perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's about not picking up a drink or a drug. And as long as you haven't done that today, you're doing great. That's amazing. Yeah. What <laughs> that just <laughs> listener, please go back 30 seconds and just listen to that five times. I that's so helpful to anybody who's struggling in early recovery right now. I mean, that I needed to hear that over and over and over again because there's so much guilt, shame, beating ourselves up. Like I'm not doing this right. I'm, I'm not, not doing, doing this the, right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. And I think a lot of it comes from this idea of I'm not doing enough, but like it, what exactly. is enough, right? Well, I think you hear that with other people in recovery. Sometimes it's like, you know, you get, you, you get the finger pointing and the wagging and the blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And, and sometimes that can come from treatment environments and so forth too. And I think we got to be really careful because you know, we as alcoholics and addicts have a tendency to be extremely hard on ourselves and yeah. overly judgmental. Yeah. And having somebody else do that to us as on top, you know, it's it's like a recipe, you know, so I think it's really important to give ourselves a break and remind ourselves of what we've come into recovery for. Mm. Uh, we come, we come into recovery uh, at least I came into recovery so that I didn't pick up a drink or a drug because it was destroying my life. That's exactly and, it. And so, yes, there might be some of the other stuff that I don't do perfectly. Maybe there's some of the 
what everybody else is doing is maybe not working for me or whatever. And, but that's okay. You know, when we take small steps in that direction and we turn a little bit left, we turn a little bit right, but ultimately if I'm not picking up a drink or a drug, you know, I'm, I'm attending to my physical health first and mm. foremost, mm. and I'm not running away. That's right. I'm not running away. And then the simple, the simplicity of that is so beautiful. It's just like, it's <laughs> difference between picking up that drink and not, or that substance, whatever that might be for you, like whatever else is going on, like the pressure sort of off, you know, like just don't pick that up <laughs> and you're still doing so, so well. And I love that. Yeah. It's like, it's good and over I, perfect. And, and like, it, yeah. It's the same thing with the creative process. We don't run away. We don't yes. run away. We just do. We just do the work. We put out what we can, and we let go of the over overly critical judgment, comparing mm. what we are doing to somebody something else. And I think a lot of people in the rooms of AA come come in and they compare themselves. Like, look who's doing great work. Look who's doing great yes. work. Or yes. we compare our songwriting, or we compare compare our writing to other people and it's it's that critical self-judgment that bringing that that critique that mm. unnecessary critique to what we do there's a critique for excellence that which is great because yeah. we want our stuff to be good but there's also a critique that is causing uh, us it, it it's impacting our creativity negatively mm. it's impacting our recovery negatively mm. is is my critiquing having a positive impact on my work or is it having a negative impact on my work? Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I, I think, I think the large way that that works is like perfection is a really good like marker to shoot for, but we should always be like, aware of the fact that like a lot of times we'll aim for the moon and we'll hit a street light right <laughs> and that's not bad that's just progress we're still moving forward and up we're just not necessarily hitting that like quote-unquote perfect mark but like you almost never do and i, I think a lot of recovery I, that's why that's why lot of, that's yeah, why i say the perfection the idea of perfection is it's elusive it's anyway yeah I mean, <laughs> exactly it's like what does that really mean and what is uh, that like, so that could be different to everybody right i think yeah that's if it was perfect to you is not perfect to me and and that's that's all so subjective so the thing is like just go for what's good and i think a lot of times we get just hung up in like the the overall sort of like the fear that we have to have this all figured out as soon as we start something. And I love that's mm -hmm. how you kind of started this. You said like, well, the main way I'm doing all this is I'm just doing it in small chunks, like here and there. And that is the way <laughs> to mm -hmm. approach anything spiritually. It's just one day at a time, one minute at a time, come to this thing and slowly let it do its work within you rather than trying to have the whole thing figured out like yeah recovery to me and having a kid now are two of the same principles where i looked at the situation and i went oh my god i could never uh, i could never be a father <laughs> or blank mm -hmm. i could never be in recovery because both of those things i'm already envisioning you know walking down the aisle or the college education whatever it is and with recovery i'm thinking oh i've got to be you know clean and sober for the rest of my life you know these things that those are two giant goals that have no bearing in reality right now. Yep. <laughs> like the the truth is waking up a parent is just learning day by day. My my child screams for this reason. Okay, cool. How do I figure that out today? Boom. Right. I've been a good mm -hmm. parent today. <laughs> Same thing with my recovery. If I'm not putting a drink in my hand and I'm learning these things, like I get an anxiety attack and I go, oh, wow, what do I do here? You know, that's my task for the day, right? It's, it's, it's small. It's, it's it's seeing life as an educational adventure. Ooh, I love that. 
seeing life as an educational adventure. That's beautiful. That everything could be a. F- I love that. You know, educational adventure kind of reminds me of like when you go to like um, what are those like the Smithsonian or one of those like big you know sort of science centers as a kid, and you'd go and you'd explore and you put your hands in things and you, <laughs> like that's what life is. You and could that's go what life and is. just get yeah. your hands dirty, jump into it, and and, and move and, with it. And and it, without all the preconceived notion that we should look good doing it or we should mm. or we should have a good experience it's not always going to feel good we just we just do the next thing and we we take it from there and see how that goes it's it's what they talk about in in buddhist thinking a lot is bringing this sense of curiosity mm. um the sense of adventure the sense of um fearlessness the sense mm. of this non-judgmental awareness of just mm. just jumping in you know, this is life. Life is an adventure. I mean, I'm going to be 71 in three weeks, you know, and, you know, and it's given me a perspective on my life that, I mean, I spent a lot of my life, you know, not being adventurous. You know, mm, I, yeah. I really, I really didn't. I was, I was living in fear. Mm. And so, um, and I think, you know, some of that does come with age. I think that you become fearless because I, I never know, you know, what might happen. And so I want to make sure that I'm having every possible experience that I can have and completing all the things that I can complete. And I think part of me doing the creative stuff that I do right now too, is I don't want to overthink it. I just want to kind of get it out. I I mean, I'm trusting that what I trusting that what I have to offer is enough. Mm, mm. And I love that because you're not waiting for someday. And I think that's where a lot of us get hung up in our fear. And especially like people around my, like in your thirties or twenties, that kind of a thing. There's a lot of hesitation in terms of like, oh, it's like, I can't possibly do the thing I really want to do with my life right now. (laughs) Or like, oh, I couldn't possibly jump into that. That's too scary. But the the, I'll do that someday. And then we're just pushing off all of our dreams and everything to this magical day called someday, which does not exist. There's yeah. no date. It's not a someday is not in the it's calendar. Like, Every day. It's is like in the our calendar. Gu- Yeah. It's, it's like our guide is I I will do this when, or this, I'll be okay when, mm. and you know, we can fill in the blank and it we don't have to do that. That's we're putting conditions on our taking the actions that we want to take. It's conditional. Mm. Mm. I, I can I, I'll do this when I have time. I'll do this when I'm not working so hard. I'll do this when the kids are grown or they're out of the house. I'll do this once I whatever. Yeah. That's there's a there's a parable in the Bible that explains that so perfectly, which is like it's it's usually used in terms of like finances and stuff, but it's the parable of the storehouses. And basically it's a guy who saves up enough grain that he fills an entire storehouse. So usually when we just say this parable out loud, it's just that there's a greedy dude who hoards too much stuff. And then God basically says the next day you're going to die. So good for you. You you saved up all this and now you're going to die tomorrow. But the real parable is it's not that they saved up all this and they were all greedy and that they never wanted to use it. The tragedy in it is God basically saying to him, you saved up enough grain to feed like an entire village of people. You could have done so much fun stuff just for yourself with this. And now the tragedy is that you're losing all of it because you never used it. And how many of us are walking around with storehouses that we have filled up? Like 
20 different storehouses, by the way, because it's 2022 and you have a phone in your pocket that has 90 different folders and apps and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so we're all like overcrowded with our dreams and our ideas and the things we want to do in the world. And we're just sitting on them. And that is just the biggest tragedy. On and, and imagine yeah. if a lot of the other people that have moved the world along were just sitting on their dreams. Like, <laughs> yeah. we would not want that, right? So we it, need your dreams and we need the things it, that you it, have exactly. to offer. Exactly. Every... Everybody should be taking action in the, in the interest and towards their dreams in any way that they can, even if it's a small step. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, get up this morning and just commit yourself to writing a poem. I love that. Just a short, get up little... this morning, just a short little poem, mm -hmm. get, get up this morning and, you know, take a look at the lyrics of your favorite song and see if you can write something similar. Sometimes, sometimes it's really helpful to use, um, uh, a, a small piece of reading that we do or, uh, you know, something that, you know, a lyric that inspires us and we can kind of put the lyric down on the paper. So we're not looking at it, but recreate it in our own words. Mm, I love that. I had a songwriting it's teacher. Almost, once. It's, it's almost as though you're using a prompt. That's, that's it. I had a songwriting teacher once that told me, um, put, put your favorite song on on a low volume in the background when you're writing lyrics and then just try to write your own lyrics to that favorite song and then use that somewhere. I mean, and, and it's an amazing tool because you'll write to like a Beatles song or something and you've got the lyrics, you've got the flow and then you could take that and put your own music to it, right? <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. I mean, I love those it's, little hacks where it's like, it's you funny. don't need to start from scratch. You know, when I first, when I first started songwriting, I was like, I, I didn't really know how to, I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was okay and what was not okay. And I remember, um, I had this favorite songwriter musician that I, I really loved his lyrics. His name was Michael McDermott and uh, he's out of Chicago and not too many people have heard of him, but he has like about 10 albums out or anything like that, something like that. And I used to listen to his stuff and I go, oh my God, what interesting lyrical like rhyme schemes and choices of words and stuff like that. And so I used to go over his lyric sheets and I would pick out words that were like, I would never say that. So let me, it's interesting. Yeah, so I, would, I love that. Because I, yeah. I, 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 I would never think of it, right? you know? And so what it did was it kind of inspired me. It wasn't, and you know, I lifted like brief little, paragraphs and so forth and so on and this was early on in my sing in my songwriting career and and i remember i went and saw him at a small uh small really small venue in los angeles mm -hmm. um and um because i was a big fan and i went and i went and saw him perform and then i went to a little coffee shop right after um after i saw him perform and he was there Oh no way! Oh, and he awesome. was sitting he was sitting a couple booths away from me all by himself and I walked up to him and I said, Michael, I said, I'm I'm a songwriter. I said, and I, I really love your lyrics. I said, is it okay if I borrow some of your lyrics <laughs> and put them in my song? Is that is that weird? Is that is that <laughs> smash it through the coffee shop? Okay. Yeah. Is, is that okay to do? And he said, Richard, he said, I do that all the time. 
It's okay. I'm sure it, that's beautiful. Yeah, there's a there's an awesome, awesome book out there that's helped me more than probably any book with creativity. It's called um, Steal Like an Artist. It's by Austin Kleon, if you guys want to mm-hmm. check it out. But it's a really short book. But it's all about how most good art is stolen from something else. And he kind of traces mm-hmm. back like where the Mona Lisa was stolen from, where <laughs> the Beatles stole their stuff from. But it's all copy and paste. That's what we are as human it's, beings. Yeah, and it's okay. You learned to walk and speak by mimicking your your parents or the yeah. older people that are around you that's how we learn in life and so when we're learning to do songwriting and stuff you have to you have to learn those things yeah like a, a, and i would to, to borrow to borrow, to borrow. Yeah. exactly I mean, you're, we don't you're, i mean we totally. don't want to plagiarize somebody we don't want to borrow totally. like a whole verse or anything like that totally. but we can, you find a line that's really interesting what what i do too this is an interesting that i do a little bit of a songwriting tip i can't believe we're talking about yeah, this. No, it's just like i have songwriting i have these this episode. i have this i have this document on my computer that, that and i put it at the top of it i put words hmm and I go through lyric sheets and I just put like little words and phrases that are really interesting. And so when I'm doing songwriting, I go back and I try to find a word that rhymes out of this oh, list of a of hundred. That are just, uh, that are know. just super interesting buzzwords for you. Just that interesting just... buzzwords that, mm-hmm. that bring character and they, they color and it's, it's just, I would have never thought about them independently. And so. I love how that's um, coming up. I, I just was in a, um, cause I'm doing this spiritual formation training thing. And they're doing this thing on spiritual reading, which is just mm-hmm. reading things with a sort of, you know, contemplative stance and view. And their big thing was like, look for words that they call buzzy words that are mm-hmm. you, that stand out to you for some reason. You don't really know. And go ahead and take those words for yourself because they mean something. So I love that. It's literally <laughs> what they're talking about in that spiritual sense you're doing for creativity. And what's so beautiful to me about that is that how similar and how close your spirituality is with your creativity. Like if you're, if you're able to express yourself creatively, it's almost like you're able to express yourself spiritually that much better. So what a beauty, if you're looking for your higher power, if you're looking for some sort of spirituality in your life, go to the things you already love, go to music, go to writing, go to reading, go to running, whatever it might be for you. But it it could be, it could be gardening, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it could be it could be cooking. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be like what we see as the traditional creative process because we can be creative in the way that we design our our living room or the way that we prepare a meal or the mm. way that we, you know, do a garden or the way that we the way that we dress. I mean, yeah. you know, I had to make a I had to make a resume for work today. And when I did it, it was a creative process. So I got to lay out the things in the right way. And I put my picture in a certain spot. And like in that, I was like, oh, cool. This looks creatively like my own thing. And even though it's not a song, it's not a flashy something. It's literally the most boring thing you could do. It still felt creative because I could bring myself to it. And that's, yeah, anything can be that. And at the end of the day, you felt like you created something. I've not, yeah. And not only that, it's almost like you you feel like you created something and it's useful right and i mean i love like that's like what cooking is that's like what all of these things are is like not only did i get to express myself but i felt useful in the world for like an hour (laughs) and when we're in recovery that's really what we're after like can i feel useful to someone else in the world because that's that's what we're missing a lot of the time we feel disenchanted we don't have like the space to be sort of like winners in the space that we're at and a lot of time we just want to feel like oh you know what i was able to be of service i was able to be here for you and that validates my humanity 
And that's what that's what the spiritual life is is really all about, is being able to find meaning in the smaller moments of our life. We can find meaning in everything that we do.